what's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast, your home for amazing, very real stories about phenomenal businesswomen in all sorts of different industries over all sorts of different parts of the world who are here to share the real stories of how they've grown their businesses so that you can take some practical ideas and go implement them in your business. Now, if you're just starting your business, there's an amazing resource that you can tap into. It's called How to Launch Your Brand Online. It is an ebook that I created just for you. If you want to make sure that your business is represented very well and very effectively in the online space, including on a website, uh, on a blog, on social media, then being able to follow these very simple steps to be able to build up a customer base that is dying for exactly what you got That's what this book is all about. Go find out more at bizwomenrock.com. I love podcasting, and interviews like this are exactly why. I have Susie Miller on the show today. She uh, is the Better Relationship Coach. She has had 20-plus years as a therapist and um, transitioned that into a coaching business And it's just absolutely fascinating. She really helps people uh, identify and build great relationships, relationships with your spouse, relationships with your business partners, relationships with everyone, because relationships in in my little attempt at at a metaphor here is the mortar between the bricks of your business that you're building. I am such a believer in that, and Susie is as well. She recently launched her book, Listen, Learn, Love, How to Dramatically Improve Your Relationships in 30 Days or Less. Um, And so during this conversation, there are a couple major places that we go that are incredibly wonderful. Um, Number one is we talk about her launch strategy and her promotion strategy for the book, Very real, very practical uh, stuff, very smart way that she has been able to do this. We talk about how to decide on a traditional publisher. She goes into how she, why and how she decided on what publisher to choose. Um, She talks about the difference between uh, being a therapist and being a coach, which I thought was absolutely amazing. And I had never made some of those uh, connections before. And then we talk very openly about how to rectify the feeling of not being able to go a thousand miles a minute, which is what we all want to do and how we all think success happens. And Susie is such a great and open example during this entire interview about how things aren't always that way and how to really rectify that in yourself and how to be kind to yourself when you can't be everything to everyone and do everything that you want to do. Um, She has risen from the ashes. She has had so many things happen in her life that have been quote unquote negative or low and she keeps on coming back. She keeps on creating out of that and I just think it's a beautiful example of just living life and doing it very honestly and doing it very boldly. So I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. Susie is a total amazing, awesome riot of a person. I totally fell in love with her during this conversation, and I know you will too. So let's get going. Susie, what is going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited to finally connect with you in person, Katie. I love your show. (laughs) I love what you offer women. And, you know, just even in our pre-chat, you're a kindred spirit, sister. Oh, well, thank you. And speaking of our pre-chat, I 
I always I have to force myself to like press record and like get it sort of formalized because I'm having such a good time chatting with you. (laughs) And I know everyone listening is going to have such a good time hearing about you and learning about your story and the awesome business that you have built. So um, so you what is so fascinating about you is that you started your sort of entrepreneurial journey as a therapist. (laughs) Um, and now you're doing like relationship coaching and really helping people understand that relationships are the foundation of everything, especially mm-hmm. in business. And anyone listening, to- we get it. You know, we totally get that. So um, talk a little bit about um, starting your own therapy practice, mm-hmm. kind of what that was like, not only as far as like the like the experience that you were having emotionally with people and kind of what you learn fr- about people as a therapist, but actually like running your a business for the first time. What was that like? It was wild. It was a bit like drinking from a fire hydrant. (laughs) Usually, you know, you find people, people are really good with people, and they're not always good with process or paper. So one of the first things I did was look to my entrepreneurial husband, who is all about the process and the paper, and hired him for a really good price to do all of my back. (laughs) Was it like a kiss a day or something? (laughs) Something like that, you know. (laughs) I like that. <laughs> you know, um, to, to do what I was not good at. So, you know, a lot of people ask why you go into therapy or counseling. And I talk about this in my, in my new book about somebody asked me that. And I was really surprised by the question when they did. And I realized that most people go into the helping profession because they've been helped. So part of my story includes a season of being in counseling and have it really helping me and then wanting to help people. And I was young and it was just kind of the way, you know, that seemed like the natural progression to go. So I went to grad school, got my, you know, my credentials and literally, you know, started a private practice by word of mouth and had a few people who came in to see me. And I had three teenagers at the time. So I was very uh, controlled with my hours because I wanted to be available to them. And I, you know, slowly word spread. And within about six months, I had a six month waiting list. So six months, six months. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, And part of that's just because, and I don't say this to brag, I did good work. I got people, and I think, I'd like to say it was because of training, but mostly because I've lived through a whole lot of stuff and made probably every mistake people have made. (laughs) See, I have to say this because I've been in therapy too. You remind me, the therapists that I have loved the best are the ones who didn't just sit there like a wall and let me talk. Like, they were the ones who really engaged with me and oftentimes would share their own story so that... You know, it would it would make it okay whatever I was saying. I, I, I you strike me as that type of a therapist that would sort of like share a little bit of yourself so that you could be like allow a little bit more dimension to whatever your client was experiencing. Right, right. And I I have a book on my computer that I'm eventually going to publish called "I'm a Mess, You're a Mess, and It's Okay." <laughs> And, you know, what you just touched on is part of why I moved to coaching. I moved to coaching for two reasons. One, I was working with a lot of very high-stress abused women. I had some 9-11 clients, families who were impacted by by death in the 9-11 situation. And um, and then I ended up with cancer. And so that piece of the stress of a business and then the limitations of therapy. You know, counseling is really bound by a lot of um, medical APA stuff. So you really can't be friends. You have to be careful what you share. And it really began to thwart kind of what I do best, which is connect with people and help them see that they're not alone in things. And so between those two things, I ended up moving from, you know, therapy, you know, into coaching where I can, you know, have coffee with, be friends with, do via Skype, you know, and really share the story and walk through life with people versus just that one hour a week. So it's been a great shift for me 
in terms of the profession and really has expanded my reach and allowed me to have other avenues. Like you can't do a recorded call that your clients can listen into. You can't do the same kind of group stuff that you can do with coaching. So I love the shift. That's really fa- I've never really seen those two things on the same on the same parallel, but now that you're talking about them, I absolutely can. That makes total sense. When you're really open, you admitted you were in counseling. And I know oh, yeah. a lot of people, you know, they don't wave to their counselor at the Starbucks and go, Hey, there's my therapist. <laughs> but they will say, Hey, there's my coach. And I worked with a lot of executives and high level government and entrepreneurs in the DC area and you know, even clearances, you know, they were like, I can't be in therapy, but I can be in coaching. Because coaching is a very approachable, acceptable way. I mean, we have a, we have a fitness coach, we have a health coach. So to have a relationship coach really wasn't another, a big stretch. Whereas, you know, therapy applies, there's a problem, implies there's a problem where coaching says, I just want some tweaking. I want to get better. I want more. And so it's a very different kind of mindset. And I love it because now my friend might, you know, I'll be at the store and they'll go, Hey, there's my coach as opposed to quick. Hi, there's my therapist. (laughs) I love that distinction. I think that's so fascinating and so very true. Now, you mentioned something in there very briefly, and I want to get back to that so that we can really open that up. But you mentioned that you had cancer during that time of having your therapy business. Tell, tell us a little bit about that experience and what that did, because that is a massive life event. So it is a massive life event. How, like, what was that experience? How did you find out? Like, what, how did that impact your business? Like, what, what was going on for you? It impacted my business in that, you know, anytime you deal with a big C word, it has a big scare to it. And thankfully, I had a very curable cancer, and so I'm very grateful for that. One of the biggest parts was it was in my thyroid, which is near my vocal cords, and I do a lot of speaking and training, and so there was a risk that they would be damaged. So there was a lot of unknowns going into surgery, you know, how far it had spread and all that. And, you know, anytime we're living with an unknown, it increases our stress level. And so for me as a, you know, as a woman, we feel everything on multidimensional levels, you know, na- navigating that for my family. It, it you know, it, ha- it took its toll. And one day my doctor looked at me and said, you know, st- cancer is a stress-related disease. You know, we'd like to say it's a whole lot else, but ultimately stress destroys your cells in your body. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical person. I just, it hit me between the, you know, eyes. I was like, okay, wait a minute. I have a very stressful career. Mm. I have three teenagers. I have a marriage that has moments of great and moments of horrible stress because we're two people trying to figure out how to live together. And I got to start looking at what only can I do. And that kind of became my mantra of I can, I'm the only person who can be their mom. I'm the only person at this point in time who could be his wife. I'm the only person who can take care of my body on a responsible level. I'm not the only therapist that can help these people. Mm -hmm. And it really put into perspective some of my choices. And that really shifted and has stuck with me. I'd like to say the maturity, you know, it was a one-time lesson, but it's a lesson I keep reminding myself of every time I kind of get overtaxed or overcommitted. And the other big part of cancer for me was the treatment damaged my immune system and lungs and ended up with um, about seven to 10 years of chronic illness post that. So the real toll was on my family. Uh, You know, the real toll was on my family and, and my business, trying to be a type A businesswoman when your body is, you know, not cooperating, you know, required a lot of shifting and, and failure and picking yourself up and skin knees and disappointments and, you know, shaking your fist at God and, you know, faith to keep going. So it, it's been a very bumpy journey. I know I mentioned before, it's a bit like riding the rapids. And it, it's not been smooth sailing for me. It's not been success after success. It's been a lot more like 
Okay, Zoom Eek. Okay, great, we're going. Oh, crash and burn. <laughs> so for all the women listening who, who are like, wait, I listen to these podcasts. These women are just one success after another. No. Just know, you know, <laughs> that is not my story. <laughs> And I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna argue that I don't think it's anyone's story. Like there's. Good. There's rarely the guest on this show. I can honestly. I can think of one where I was like, "Hey, what's been one of the worst moments you've ever had?" <laughs> and literally, I've had one guest out of hundreds right. kind of blink their eyes and be like, oh, "It hasn't been that bad." And, like, right. and I love that about your show, Katie, because I feel like. You get women to talk about what's real, and yeah. when women do that, we connect. That's versus, it. let's all talk about how great everything is. Versus, yeah. oh no, my my kids all said they hated me at one point in time, <laughs> and I teach parenting classes, or you know, my husband and I almost divorced, and I'm a marriage therapist, and I do marriage coaching. Yeah. I love that you have that realness because I feel like when we are real with one another, we're like, okay, I'm not alone in this. That is so true. And so, and that's always one of the questions that I ask here for like anyone, for example, like, okay, you're a better relationship coach. Ooh. So my question is always like, so how do you, how do you practice what you preach? Like, <laughs> do I mean, it's definitely not always beautiful. Tell me a little Mm-mm. bit about your, well, we'll start with marriage because that's the first thing that comes to my mind when you mm-hmm. say relationships. But obviously this has to go, you have five different, you know, um, team members who work with you in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Like how, how do you, um, how do you practice what you preach in all these different <laughs> relationships? You learn two words. I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, I wrote in my book, I'll, you'll love this. I wrote in my book, it's dangerous to write a book about relationships when the people in your life know that what you are going to talk about, you don't always live out. Mm. And so, you know, I, I check the stories with my kids and my book is very transparent. I talk a lot about my own failures and a few of my successes as well as client, you know, um, a conglomerate of con- client stories because I'm very protective of my clients' privacy. But really, it's learning that you're not the authority in your own life, because what we can do with our minds, like I have said to my family before, hey, people pay to listen to what I have to say. You <laughs> should listen to me, you know, and they look at me like, right, but they don't live with you. <laughs> so how do I practice what I preach? I think um, learning to say I'm sorry, learning to um, listen and really be willing to walk in the other person's shoes, I think is a really big piece of it. You know, I've said to everybody I have ever met with that there have been times when you know, my marriage was hard and I wasn't sure it was, we were going to make it. And, you know, there's this tenacity that we have. We're coming up on 32 years now and we like each other and we love each other. Wow, so it's that's fun a big deal. End, you know, <laughs> there have been times when my, you know, kids have been really mad at me or think I'm the worst mom ever. You know, sometimes I'll be in a session with a client and I'll be talking about a strategy for them. And literally in my head, there'll be this voice going, so are you the pot or the kettle today? <laughs> So I think there's a sense of humility and learning and really being willing to know this is a big piece of it. I know what my strengths are. I do a lot of personality assessments with my team or my couples. And if I know that, I know where to, you know, let go or not be an authority or give up control. And that has really helped because then you can match yourself with people who are a complement. So there's not the same competition. So, for example, I'm not a numbers girl. My husband is the numbers guy. Mm-hmm. And so I've just learned that there's places that I just go, okay, and I let him lead or I let him be the person who does that. I have a web person who does a lot of online sales funnel stuff. I, I don't parse copy words with him. Like, great, just do it. Right. That kind of thing. And so I think knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses, and I know a lot of people talk about, oh, I got to get better at my weaknesses. I am not a fan of that. I'm like, <laughs> delegate your weaknesses and improve your strengths. 
because then you're that. really good at a few things as opposed to mediocre at a lot of things. And when I gave myself permission to stop trying to be everything, Oh my gosh. I was like, I liked myself better because I stopped failing at everything. <laughs> yep, exactly. And I got better at the few things I do well. And I think that's a big piece of it is is humility and knowing yourself. That's a long answer, but wow. that's what I think. No, it's a beautiful answer. Thank you for that. Um, I want to dig into the book that you have just recently launched um, because I think it's so fascinating what you're doing with it. So you recently launched Listen, Learn, Love, How to Dramatically Improve Your your Relationships in 30 Days or Less. Um, And you're specifically really talking to entrepreneurs. You're talking to executives. You're talking to professionals here. And you're talking about relationships kind of across the board. Um, Tell me a little bit about why you decided to write the book, what the story behind that really is. And then I want to go into your strategy on on the launch and on the promotions because you got some really cool stuff going on here. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, why I wrote the book was initially as a big business card. As I mentioned earlier with some health challenges, I've been in and out of you know full work versus you know just VIP clients for a while. And in September, I kind of ramped back up and tiptoed back into the online world because I wanted to leverage my time. VIP clients are fabulous and I love working with them. You know, but I wanted to be able to do more. And with my kids growing, I was like, okay, this is our season to really give more to the world. And it felt like a really smart, you know, my business coach suggested, a little shout out to my business coach, Jim Palmer, said, you know, write a book. You need to get those books off your computer and get them published. So that was how I started. I went and decided to write this book. And in the midst of it, was pitching a traditional publisher on a book specifically geared towards building strong relationships as an executive or entrepreneur. And he literally said, hey, can I read what you've written? And I you know, sent him the, the Word doc, and he loved it and said, let's publish this first. This hmm. is a broad brushstroke that everybody should read, because if they do these few things, they will have better relationships no matter what. Now, I will say this is a couple strategies to help your business people. I was not a fan of the subtitle. But I had um, the expert in, you know, titling say, do you want to like your title or do you want to sell books? Oh, I like that. You know, and <laughs> I began to let go of what wasn't my field of expertise. I was like, I made fun of how-to books. Mm-hmm. How-to books imply that, you know, you know, all these things. And she really said to me, look, people need a reason to pick up your book in a sea of other other books. And so, so one sure. of the things I learned was, and this is for all of us businesswomen who have, we have a feeling attached to some of our work is we're not our ideal client. Hmm. We are not necessarily our ideal, our ideal client. We need to look at and say, my ideal client wants quick relief in 30 days. And I was like, oh, okay. So part of my strategy was really listening to the experts and letting go of some of the emotion attached to our little baby of a book. Yep. <laughs> it was a bit like having a baby. So that was a really big lesson for me to let go. And I think that really helped. The book itself, you know, the having a traditional publisher versus a self-publisher, two very different worlds. Being through the process of traditional publishing, I think it's worth doing. For my field, it was important to have a traditionally published book. It just adds a, a level of cachet to the to the field I'm in. However, that doesn't mean I you know won't self-publish a book. I'm actually working on one that I'll self-publish as well. So right. I think the idea of getting it out there is huge. Who is your publisher, and how did you decide on that publisher? Uh, well, it was my publisher is Dunham Books in Nashville, and I decided on that publisher because he said I'd love to publish your book. <laughs> <laughs> I got accepted, yay! And, and I, I said, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, I well, love you too. Yeah, I, I didn't know if you had because you were looking for a traditional publisher. I didn't know if you yeah. had like researched a bunch of different I types did. of publishers. I actually did. Okay, and I, I I looked and saw who did the kind of books I did, 
who had a couple avenues versus now there's what's called a boutique publisher. And I think, I mean, if you don't mind, I can go into this at length yeah. for your listeners just to give them some hints. There's a number of ways you can do it. You can do traditional, you can do boutique where you, you know, partner with the publisher or they're self-publishing. And so I looked for a couple of different publishers that would have what I wanted and be willing to kind of get behind a new author. That was a big thing for me. Hmm. <coughs> Excuse me for that. It was really a big deal to have a publisher who believed in first-time authors. And this particular publisher helped Dave Ramsey get started. You know, he did the little books that became big. And so I really liked that about him. Gotcha. Very, very so, cool. You know. Now, you have had some really great success, like, promoting the book. And um, before we went on air, you were telling me a little bit about uh, your book tour and all this sort of stuff. Talk a little bit about the strategies that you are you have done and now are doing to get your book out there. Okay, sure. The first thing I did was I watched other books that I that were in my same genre or authors I really respected. So, I was part of a and I was part of a book launch for another author. So, I really learned from people I thought were doing it well. Jeff Goins was one of them, his Art of Workbook. And what I saw was a couple of things they did. One was to have a launch team to get some people on board where they would leverage their audiences and their belief in you you know, for some perks, you know, that they got specifically for being part of the launch team. And my launch team was fabulous. They helped, you know, with blogs, they got it on social media. That was a huge piece that I learned from one of the authors I watched. And how many people were on your launch team? I had about 30 people on my launch team. Okay. I mean, I know there's major authors who have, you know, 200. I'm not there yet. Um, hey, 30 is a good amount. If you got 30 great, other people talking about yes, you, that's a great thing. Which was great. And, you know, I did hire a publicist. That was a big deal for me because she got us featured in Publishers Weekly. And there were about 70 bloggers that she pitched. So, But that was a pay-to-play kind of thing. I right. paid her to trade on her expertise. Her name's Blythe Daniels. She's fabulous. If you want to know more about that, you know, that's on my website too, you know, a little bit about her. But hiring a publicist really helped me because they do traditional means. Now, what I didn't have anybody do but me was the online social media presence. And that's where my launch team helped. I had a social media gal do a a kind of a strategy for the book, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of graphics and when to post and videos and all that kind of stuff. And that was very helpful. I mean, again, I put a lot of time and effort into having a successful launch. And the main thing I did that I learned from Jeff Goins was I did a huge amount of bonuses. So if people would go to my, and then they're still up there, the listenlearnlovebook.com, mm-hmm. there's an audio version, there's a workbook, my publisher is giving a Kindle version away, and a couple of bonuses. So for people to get the book, it was a real bonus, you know, over 200 and some dollars worth of bonuses to help, you know, with incentivizing. And I collected those all in one place and had a separate book site set up for that piece. So those couple things all together really helped, I think, drive traffic, you know, and then I, you know, did a lot of hand, hand what's it called? Not schmoozing, but reaching kissing, out to kissing people. Kissing babies, shaking kissing hands. Kissing babies, yes. <laughs> and asking people, you know, Mike Hyatt wrote about this in one of his blogs that I really liked. I'm a learner. I try to learn from people who are doing well at what I want to do. If it's something I can't delegate, and you really can't delegate this piece because it's, it's like introducing your baby to the world. You right. want to have a hand in it. And he talked about driving traffic at certain times. So I really timed everything in a very strategic way of going, okay, the week before the book comes out, here's what I want to be doing. You know, two weeks before, and then what 
strategies did I learn to make, you know, in a number one seller on, on Amazon? So I think it was a synergy of a lot of different things, but really a huge piece is, you know, I did maybe 15 podcast interviews and radio shows. I took the time in the month before to be fully dedicated to, you know, launching the book. Right. Now, you mentioned before that you were number one in Amazon, and I think you mentioned uh, that you were number one in a couple different categories, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm always curious about is because that's sort of like the big gold, you know, coin that everyone wants to get. I right. want to be number one on Amazon. But what right. does that really mean? Like, how does that really impact your book sales? How does that really impact you? Like, what are you what do you get from that? Um I don't know fully yet because it's only been two and a half weeks since the book came out. But what you do get is the ability to say, you know, I was a number number one new release. I was a number one bestseller. And when you think about the fact that 10 million books are put out and Amazon represents so many, to have your your book be in the the status or realm of some of the bigger names, especially for a new author, is is a bit of a carrot in your hat. It's a bit of a, a feather, not carrot, a carrot in your hat. Oh my gosh. Are you on a juicing uh, kick right now? Or something? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. A feather in your cap. So it, I, like I can say now, I have a best-selling book right. versus I have a book that's one among the masses. Right. And, and so part of it's just a cachet. Part of it gives you more authority and credibility because it means people looked at your book and bought your book and liked your book. Honestly, you know, the fact that it was, you know, Publishers Weekly doesn't mean a lot to the online world, but it means a lot to the book world. So it's really knowing which of those accolades are beneficial. And it's sad to say, Katie, that, you know, as much as we want to value the underdog and the little guy, we do look for accolades. We look for as seen on. We look for bestsellers. You know, I was on Fiverr the other day and I'm like, I'm going to scroll to page four and find somebody new and pick them. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. And that's why so many of us, you know, so many of the women that I've interviewed have some sort of credentialing on their website. I mean, as seen on, you know, uh, News Weekly, as seen here, right. you know, Book Future You were just here. in Forbes. Yeah. People were like, wow, you were in Forbes? I was like, yes. Yeah. So it gives you some cachet yeah. and credibility. And one of the things I think that we have women, business women have to learn is we have to learn to play the game. Go ahead. You can expand on that. I okay. agree with you wholeheartedly. Okay. So go ahead. <laughs> we have to, we, you know, we can't say, I don't like the way it's done. Right. So I'm not going to play. We can say, I'm going to play with integrity. I'm going to learn the rules and I'm going to navigate, you know, shake the right hands. I'm going to kiss the right babies. I'm going to do what's necessary in the realm of integrity that I can live with. And so for me, it was looking, you know, having my book well-placed on Amazon, having the categories well-chosen, paying experts to help me with that, spending time, you know, creating relationships with people who are in positions of influence. That's something that's a little bit more, it it used to have, it has that salesy kind of edge to it and people think it's schmarmy, but I'm like, you know what? We all sell something, whether we sell our husbands on dinner, our kids on (laughs) picking up their clothes, you know, or somebody on representing us, we're always promoting. And so let's do it with integrity, but let's be honest. We have to learn the rules of the game. Right. Yeah, I really, I really like that. Um, now, I want to, I want to go back to something that you and I actually spoke about before we got on air, which was the fact that in order to put your time and focus and energy into writing the book, launching the book, prepping for everything, doing all of these, um, doing the book tour that you're doing now, like all this stuff, you've really had to have your clientele kind of, uh, or kind of bringing in clients take a back seat. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to come back to that because. 
you are very, very driven businesswoman. (laughs) And I know a lot of us, a lot of the women listening, myself included, you know, we're, we sort of think like, okay, we can do it all. We're going to launch this book and we can continue doing everything at a thousand percent. I want to know from you, for somebody who's like super fiery and passionate and let's go a zillion miles an hour. How do you, how do you make sense of all of that? Like, how do you balance that in your life? Because you've had, you have health issues that really have to force you to slow down and have to shift energy from here to here so that you're not doing a thousand things. Like, how do you make sense of all of that? And how do you make yourself feel okay about it? That's a great question, Katie. And I'm going to try to answer it succinctly without having the tragic music play in the background. (laughs) (laughs) I'll play a violin for you. (laughs) The soap opera story of I have been through some really significant challenges with my health, with, um, you know, we've had some personal tragedies that have really derailed us. And the reality, I mean, first accepting reality. You know, you and I were talking earlier about all that's going on in your life. I mean, and I said, and you're making a baby. So there's this reality of I'm not... You know, I'm not solely focused on me. I've got this baby I'm growing and a husband and a business. And so part of it for women who are driven is to look at reality and go, okay, what's real? And and whether I like it or not, I have to name it. I'm a big into naming. So one of the things I had to name was I cannot go at 120 miles an hour, 24-7, 365. And I wish that wasn't true. But every time I try to live in that fantasy world, I end up sick. And I think for women, it's saying, here's what I wish it was, but what's real? What's real is I can go about 45 miles an hour for two weeks at a time. I build in breaks. I build in downtime, you know, so that I can take care of myself. And the way I learned this, Katie, was not because I was smart and got it. It was because I crashed and burned half a dozen times and finally thought, I either have to learn this or quit. And that was really a, a turning point for me of going, okay. So like you said, I started this book and I really wanted to do well. So in the last four months, I've not taken on but one client. So I did take a little hit with my income. I did take a hit with some momentum there. But it's a matter of choosing and prioritizing. And I think whether it's illness or family or kids or life season, it's the reality that we can't do it all at the same time. Yeah. And I think I alluded to this earlier, going back to well, what, what can I do? You know, what are the things that only I can do and can I focus on those? And I think for driven women, it's letting things go and trusting, you know, I'll call my mom and go, remind me this can come back again. I mean, I've wanted to write a book for 10 years, Right. you know, and I remember turning down a book deal early on when I first had cancer and thinking I just gave up my biggest opportunity ever. And it's trusting that there's a a bigger plan and trusting that you can come back around. Our kids are now in their 20s. You know, I was joking with a friend and I said, every night's date night for us. Last (laughs) night, we didn't feel like talking to each other. So we ate dinner in front of the TV. Like we literally said, do we have to talk tonight? I'm tired. No, but we can do that because tomorrow night there's no kids. Tomorrow night there's more time. And I think so for somebody who has a a newer family or a new marriage or little kids, it's like, I've got to portion out my time differently. Right. And my mom always said this to me, and I, and I read one of your questions, who gave you the best business advice ever? And it really is the best life advice and business advice. And it's just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm. And that was a huge freeing place for me as a woman to go, you know what, I can do it all, but it doesn't mean I should, and what's the cost? Right. So it's being willing to be kind to yourself, be gentle, turn off that mean girl who says you should do it all, and trust that you know, this is a different season of life for us. And so I have time now that's not based on homework or, you know, carpool or kids volunteering or, you know, cancer treatment or new baby making or building a relationship with my husband. You know, we are working on it, but we, at 32 years, you have some 
you know, some foundation that you can draw on when things get hard. Right. So I want to say to all the businesswomen, you know, go easy on yourself and give yourself time. The entrepreneurial women I work with and coach, one of the things we do is look at the whole picture of their life and pick out where to focus and what to let go of and then what to delegate. Mm. I love that. I really, really love that. And very, Thanks. very well said. And it's Thank so you. true. I mean, um, you know, I can even say for myself, and I know a lot of other women feel this way, like I'm my worst critic. Like I'm my worst. <laughs> I beat myself up worse than anyone else possibly can because I can't accomplish these 8,000 things today. Right. <laughs> and it, it, it does. It takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to identify it, be it. And I totally agree with what you said, being able to be honest about what are the facts right now. And then being able to completely relinquish yourself of any of that negativity and that judgment on yourself. It's, and well, it's a process. It is it definitely is. a process. And one of the ways I talk about doing that is I talk about stop playing whack-a-mole with yourself. <laughs> put down the bat. And literally to say to yourself, I don't think that way anymore. Yeah. And I've walked around my house and said that before. Like when that shoulda, woulda, mean girl comes up, I'm like, wait, I don't think that way anymore. Mm-hmm. I think this way. And really rehearsing to ourselves, because you're right, as women, we're our worst critics. Somebody yep. can say we look good in something and we'll put out the one dimple on our thigh. <laughs> Somebody, you know, we do, we're terrible. And I think all the wasted energy that we, we, we put on criticizing ourselves to literally stop dead and go, wait, would I say that? to my closest friend? Right. Would I say that to my business master, my partner? I, I myself, Katie, have learned to not be any meaner to me than I'd be to my closest friend. Right. And that has helped a lot because I have a black belt in beating myself up. Mm-hmm. I think many of us can speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning about a black belt in grace. And, and one of that is to stop playing whack-a-mole. I like that. Black belt and grace. Um, so I want to, I want to be able to conclude this really awesome conversation by asking you a little bit more about where you want to go. Like what, as you keep on rolling, rolling forward, you have a very awesome and very well-respected, uh, coaching company. You have a very, you know, your book is out. You obviously have more in the can. Like you got a lot of stuff going on. What's your big vision? Where do you really see yourself going? You know, that's, again, a great question. One of the hardest things I think has, for me has been to niche down, you know, and to really take it to what, if I could only do one thing. And so for me, as I look at what I've done the most, it's really working in the marriage field and with executives and entrepreneurs who don't want to bankrupt their marriage as they pursue success. And so one of the things I love to do is I love to work with couples. And so what I see happening is doing some more like VIP events and events where I can, you know, really kind of get hands in with couples, but also to develop more online, you know, programs where people who are busy can just download, you know, my program on what I call, I have one called He Said, She Said, just Mm -hmm. understanding each other. You know, one of the things I mentioned right beforehand was I have this new idea for what I call pods, pods of a very high potential entrepreneurial women who want, you know, the friends they want, the answers they need in a very safe environment to go. This, this entrepreneur stuff is hard and I want three or five friends who I can really do the journey with. So working on creating some programs like that. And then the big project I'm working on this summer is I've started interviewing what I call entre husbands. I think that men, I love working with men. One of my masterminds says, said, you should have a, a tagline that says, work with me. I won't bust your balls. <laughs> I because <laughs> the men that I work with always go, well, wait, I thought you were going to nail me to the wall. You understand. And maybe that's because I've been married to an entrepreneur for 32 years, mm. but really helping husbands, you know, know how to sh- their wives can understand they're really sharing their husband with another love and really working with that. So those are three little things I'm working on um, in terms of expanding and really, again, multiplying my time. 
but for the future, I just really see my coaching practice growing and, you know, I'm, I'm well enough now that I've started to take on more speaking engagement. So I'm really looking forward to speaking. I see a lot of business conferences where they talk a lot about how to grow your business, but not how to keep your relationships strong while you're growing your business. So that's my next big pitch. Love it. Absolutely love that. And very much needed, by the way. Really good information to have out there. Well, you tell everybody that. I absolutely (laughs) will. Um, Well, Susie, I I can't thank you enough for being here and for having such an awesome conversation with me. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot and I know everyone listening has. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Don't forget to go to bizwomenrock.com and get all of the show notes for Susie Miller so you can connect with her directly. This woman blew my mind. Um, I really appreciated how honest she was about things not being so pretty. And you could tell that we're both very passionate about being able to share that stuff so that we can connect with you uh, and just all feel like we're in this game together. You know, I don't care how many, I don't care the level of success a woman has had on this show. I have definitely had women who have eight, nine figure businesses uh, down to somebody who has just started and they're still kind of trying to figure it out. And um, But that's the key is we're all trying to figure it out. I don't care what it is. We are all in this game together. The playing field is level. And that's why this podcast is here. That's why I've created the entire Biz Women Rock community to make sure that you know that we're all in this together and you're not alone. And we all things aren't always as pretty as what you see on other success shows. Um, and that's why this is so important for me to share. And Susie just was amazing in being able to share her journey Uh, The not-so-pretty parts and the amazing parts as well. And tons of great information and strategy on how she launched her book. And I think my favorite strategy of all is how to not beat yourself up for not doing a thousand things a minute. And, uh, And the number one key for that was really being honest in what are the facts. I really, really love that. And then relinquishing any negativity that you have on yourself because... You're not able to do everything or you just can't or whatever the situation is. So, um, you know, I obviously identify with that personally and, uh, you know, a lot of business women do. So, so just really enjoyed having Susie here. You got to go pick up a copy of her book. You can do that by going to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 221 and you'll find all the show notes there with some direct links for you. If you always forget that forward slash, whatever that is, what episode number she is, just go to bizwomenrock.com and go search in the little search bar for Susie. S-U-S-I-E. You'll find it all there. Thank you so much for being here today. I'll see you on the next episode.